Wow, what a way to celebrate a Sunday morning. You know, if you, uh, if you asked any of those people and said, hey, tell me about your story. Some of them would tell the story and it would involve their parents bringing them to church. Some of them would tell their story and, and talk about how they were far from God and then all of a sudden made a decision that, that they really needed to be a follower of Christ. And they believed that he could change their life. But one thing that would be a theme through all of their stories, whether they're little or whether they're older, would be that somebody at some point in their life said, come with me to church. Might have been mom and dad, might have been a friend, but somebody somewhere said, come with me. You probably have a very similar story. Maybe you're sitting here today because a friend or a neighbor, a coworker, family member, somebody said, Hey, come with me. You got to come and check this out. They do something different every week. It's so cool. And, and I leave encouraged and, and we laugh and we, we cry and, and we leave really feeling like we've connected with God in a meaningful way. See, we tend to talk about things that mean a lot to us, right? If something means a lot to you, you tell people about it. Have you ever met people that go on cruises like obsessively? <laughs> Don't they think everybody should go on a cruise, Right? I've never been on a cruise in my life. Some, somehow 3,000 people on a boat out in the middle of the ocean just doesn't sound fun to me. And I say that with pe to people and they go, oh, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. It's wonderful. It's big. It's... And I think, no, not for me. Just this week, I was having a conversation and, and, and a couple people were being very evangelistic about, Donnie, your life won't be fulfilled <laughs> until you go on a cruise. And maybe there's something like that in your life. Maybe you're one of the people that, that go to Disney once a year. And, and you just, how could people have a full life without five grand over one week, hot, <laughs> humidity, and you get to ride three rides? I mean, how, how can people not be evangelistic about that? But people are, and they think that's the way. You, your kids are not going to grow up, but they're going to have a rough life if you don't do that. Or maybe you have a, a restaurant or a movie that you saw or something that made you say, you got to come and experience this. You had an experience and then you told somebody else about it and said, you got to have this too. Pete was talking about barbecue. I don't think he knows much about barbecue. Did you hear him say it wasn't any good? <laughs> but if you, if you find a good barbecue place, don't you tell everybody? I see the posts online. You tell everybody. We tend to talk about the things that have changed our lives, the things that have given us a, a positive experience, something that we've enjoyed or something that, that we've encountered or a conversation or something in life that moves us, we tend to talk about it. Today is a really special day in the life of our church. Not only are we celebrating, sending out all of our Wake Forest people, that we're going to celebrate that big at the end of the service and, and, and you're going to get a challenge uh, on how you can participate in that. We're also going to do something else. It's not just that we're sending out and celebrating the sending out of a lot of people to go start a whole new location of our church to reach a, a community that we're not currently in. We're also doing something else. And today, we are creating more of these. Empty chairs. Two years ago, we opened this building, and I've been, I was wanting to do this message for so long. But you know what? You invited your friends, and there weren't any empty chairs. 
You brought people, and I couldn't say, well, I'm going to put an empty chair up there, and they're going to feel so convicted. They're going to invite people. You just did it. You just had a meaningful experience, and you did it. And so if you just look around today, there's, you know, not even a dozen empty chairs every week. Hey, push in. But here's what's happening. Because we're sending out a lot of people to go to our Wake Forest location, we're not only creating empty chairs here. We're creating empty chairs there. Did our first practice set up yesterday. There's going to be a lot of space, almost as, uh, probably as many seats as we have in here. So we're, doing, we're creating empty seats in two separate places. Now, how are we going to fill the empty chairs that are here and going to be there? How do we do that? You do it. You do it by... By sharing the meaningful experience you've had with somebody and just saying, hey, come, and, come along. Come and experience this. Come and take part in this. And I'll make a commitment. If you continue to do that, we will continue to provide an experience on Sunday morning that will help people connect with God through what they hear taught, through what the, what's sung, through what their kids experience, we'll keep that at a level that we're confident that when people leave, they will have had an experience with God and they will be able to take a next step of their faith. You do the part of inviting and we'll do that other part. And I promise you, we will keep that going. Now, when I say invite people, many of you already do that, but some of you might be going, oh no, like to church? Like ask somebody to come with me? That's weird. I don't know if I can do that. What if they unfriend me? They might. What if they think I, what if they lump me in with all the other weirdos that, that have the label Christian on them? What if they think I'm, I'm trying to convert them to something? Or, or the dreaded, what if they ask me a question and I don't know how to answer it? I'm going to teach you three words today that if you apply these words, if you live these words, you're not going to have to worry about any of those fears that people tend to have when we talk about inviting. If you use these three words, you will be able to more effectively ask people to come to church and fill empty seats. You'll be able to. These three words are found in the New Testament book of John. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. It's free to keep. If you would like a Bible, need an extra one, you can also just follow along on the screen as I read through an episode in the life of Jesus. Imagine a time in Jesus' ministry when he had zero followers, nobody, it was just Jesus. No huge crowds following him around, just him. And that's the story we're going to pick up in the New Testament book of John, chapter 1. John was a follower of Christ. There's a couple different people named John in the New Testament, but this book was written by the Apostle John, an early follower of Christ, and he talks about what Jesus did. He wrote the, his book in the New Testament, just so people could learn about the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, and, and how Jesus interacted with people. And so we're going to look in John chapter 1 at a time when Jesus was going around talking to people, and people were seeing him, but he didn't have any followers. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35, it says this, the next day, what had happened the previous day John, who's John the Baptist, a different John than's writing this book. John was a guy who baptized people to get people ready to receive the Messiah when he showed up. John the Baptist had a lot of followers. 
Jesus didn't have any yet. And every time John the Baptist, who happened to be Jesus' cousin, would see him, he would say, there's the Lamb of God, because he recognized him immediately as the Messiah. And so after the, the writer, the apostle John, talks about John the Baptist doing that, he says, the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. So he, he said, hey, there, there's Jesus. Look, everybody, there's the Lamb of God. Now, they would have understood. We say Lamb of God. We're not, maybe we're not sure what that means. But to them, in their Jewish religious system, the way they had their sins forgiven or their sins uh, pardoned temporarily was they brought, uh, bought a sheep, they brought it to the temple, they slid its throat, they sprinkled the blood, and it forgave their sins for a period of time until they came back and they did that again. And so all of the Jewish people were expecting this Messiah to come on the scene that would forgive their sins forever, that he would be the sacrificial lamb once and for all to forgive all sins. And so when John sees him, he says, look, the lamb of God. So that would have made people go, what? Where? And then it says this, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So at the beginning of this little section of scripture, John the baptizer has two followers, Jesus has zero. And in one statement, John's down two and Jesus is up two. Now Jesus has two followers. So they started following. And the two people who followed, followed were John, the writer of the gospel of John, and Andrew. John the Baptist points him out. John and Andrew start following. And Jesus says this to John and Andrew. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So Jesus looks at these two guys and says, what do you want? And what, what he's really saying is, what are you looking for? What is it in life? What are you guys looking for? Yeah, he said, I'm the lamb of God. What do you really want? And they said, well, where are you staying? As if to say, we need to come and hang out with you. I want to spend time with you, Jesus. That's what they're saying to him. And he says, come and you will see. So he says, you want to know where this is going? You, you want to know what I'm doing? You want to know what it means that I'm the Lamb of God? Just come with me and I'll show you. You will see for yourself. And it says, so they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour, which on the Jewish clock, that's 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So they spent the whole day with Jesus getting to know him, probably asking him questions. And then it says this. So here are these two guys with Jesus, and it says the first thing after he spent the day with Jesus, Andrew did, was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And you read a lot about Peter in the New Testament. He was a very influential leader in the first century church. But Andrew met Jesus, and then Andrew immediately goes to Peter and says, hey, Peter, you're not going to believe it. We found him. We found the Lamb of God. We found the Messiah. We found the one we've been looking for. Come on, go with me. Now Jesus is up to three followers. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now Jesus is up to four followers. I mean, like in two days, he's gone from zero to four. Then it says, Philip, 
like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael, one of his friends, and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip starts following. And when Philip starts following, because Jesus said, follow me, he thinks, well, I got to bring some friends in on this. So he finds Nathanael and he says, we found the one. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael's response is this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nazareth would be like a really backwoods town. The towns that I won't make fun of, but you know what I'm talking about. I grew up in that kind of town. The towns that, that when they show them on TV, it's like, yeah, that's typical of that kind of person. You know, the towns that you don't expect a lot from because it's all uh, flunkies. It's all uh, people who uh, didn't finish school. It's all people who are, uh, many of them were criminals. It's just... People who are backwoods, that's what Nazareth was. And so Nathaniel's saying, Nazareth, you're telling me that the one Moses wrote about is coming from Nazareth. Give me a break. But still, he goes, he goes and talks to Jesus because of three words. Three words that Philip said to him. He didn't make an argument. He didn't say, I'm not going. You're going to have to prove to me. Get your scrolls out and prove to me this is the Messiah. I want to know. Philip didn't do any of that. Here's what Philip said. Come and see. Just come and see. Come and meet Jesus. So Nathaniel goes and he meets Jesus. He has a conversation with Jesus. They do this exchange and Jesus reveals to him, hey, I, I am the one. And verse 49 of John chapter 1 says this, Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. So now Jesus is up to five followers in two days. He started with zero. All because people started to say, hey, come and see this. You've got to come and see this. All because a handful of people understood that Jesus needs to be experienced, not explained. Jesus is something people, is a person that people need to experience. You can explain him all day long, but an experience is what changes lives. See, those are the three words that'll fill this chair. Those are the three words that will, that will help people come in and sit down in the empty chair. When you say, come and see, because starting September 13th, we're going to have empty chairs, more of them, much, much more of them. You can say, hey, come and see. Just come, you got to come and see this. Just come and see. Either we're starting something new or come to my church that I, that I go to. You just say those words, come and see. You don't have to learn any uh, doctrine in order to do that. You don't have to learn how to argue points of the origin of the universe. You don't have to learn any of that. All you have to know is I have had an experience and I want to invite somebody in on it. See, the goal is not to explain something. The goal is to invite people in on an experience that can change their life. And anybody can invite somebody to see Jesus. Anybody. That's how people initially followed. He worked miracles, and it, it made people say, hey, come and see this guy that's working miracles. And people came. He taught in ways no one had taught before, and they said, you've got to come and hear this guy teach. It's just saying Come and see. Come and see to say, come and see to people you already interact with, people that you are already passing them every day. 
You know what those three words will do? Those three words will make you an evangelist. And when I say evangelist, you're like, oh, I don't want to be one of those. No, that's, like, that's not good. That's the guy I saw screaming and yelling at people, holding up a sign. I don't want to do that. But an evangelist is just somebody that shares the good news. And you can share the good news by using those three words. Just come and see. Come and see what changed my life. Come and see the place where I met Jesus and felt God starting to change my life for the better. Somebody in your life needs to see that. Somebody in your life needs to experience that. Somebody in your life needs to be sitting in that empty chair. And it can happen by just saying, come and see. Not an invitation to come and see me or anybody else that's speaking. Not an invitation to come and hear the band. Not an invitation to, to literally come and see anything, but it's come and experience. Come and experience what's helping you connect with God, and maybe it will help them take the same step. See, one day, uh, I went to a church that there was an empty chair, and somebody, it was because somebody invited me for 12 months Somebody invited me to church. They were persistent. And I was like, I'm not going, not interested. Got all this other stuff in my life I'm doing, not interested. They kept saying, hey, you just should come with me. You should come with me. And then I did. And I sat in that empty chair. And I realized this is the place I've been searching for. Maybe you can have the same, maybe you already have the same story that somebody invited you and you came and you sat in that chair. That chair that, that was empty before you got here and you started to experience something and you kept coming back and something kept drawing you back until finally you said, I, I want in on this. See, we have to keep filling up empty chairs because there's more Donnies out there. There's more of you out there. People who are searching, people who are living lives in a way that, that some of them are ashamed of the way they live. Some of them don't even know the way they're living is, is not the way that God would have them live. And all it takes for many of them is saying those three words, just come and see. Something I do on a regular basis, most of the time on Friday afternoons, I end up in this uh, building alone. Everybody else is finished with their work. I'm the last to get done. And so I'm, I'm sitting in my office and I'm wrapping up what I'm gonna say and, and looking over what I'm gonna say. And I come in this room, I turn on the lights and I just sit in some different chairs. I just randomly pick a chair and I sit in it and I pray. I pray for the person that's gonna be sitting in that chair on Sunday morning, that they would have an experience with God. So you may be sitting in a chair that I literally sat in and I literally prayed for you that you would experience something. We can fill the empty chairs simply by saying, come and see. One day you were the one that sat in that empty chair.